0: My name is Ben. I am the uh, Worship and Arts Pastor here at Grace, and uh, welcome. Uh, to be honest, it's a little strange to be addressing you from this part of the stage. I've grown a little used to addressing you from that part of the stage, but nevertheless, uh, here I am. Um, if you're new, or if, if you've kind of been in and out, we, um, we finished last Sunday a series on the book of Proverbs, and next Sunday we're starting our new series on the book of James. And so this morning is the sort of in-between time between these two series. And since it's Labor Day weekend, we thought that it would be appropriate to do a very quick study on labor, on work. Uh, But if we're going to talk about work, let's also talk about rest. And just as uh, an introduction, what I generally do, and I would maybe guess you do as well, Um, when we think about these two ideas, work and rest, we usually begin from the position of work, and we work so that we can at one point rest. But what I'm going to offer to you all is uh, what if we flipped that? What if we began from a place of rest and uh, and investigate how that position, in in a position of rest, how that could inform then our work? So we're going to kind of flip it around, and that, that might sound kind of out there and odd, but I really think that's how our passage presents it. With Let's begin with rest and then, then let that inform our work. So uh, if, we, if you could, uh, willing and able, stand for the reading of God's Word, you will um, probably recognize it uh, as the fourth commandment. This is coming from Deuteronomy 5, beginning at verse 12. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me, Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for bringing us here uh, as your people. And I pray that as we now turn expectantly to your word, uh, you will bless Um, what it is that you have to say, refrain my own sin, my own desire to be liked and lauded and all this. Remove that and may you speak clearly and directly to us through your spirit uh, so that you may be magnified within us and in this place. You may be glorified, um, which is also for our good. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. It has happened on more than one occasion that I'm having a conversation with someone, and it's, it's even happened here at Grace where I'll be getting to know someone, just met them, having a conversation. And we get to the point in the conversation where we ask each other, Where, where you live? And I've been asked that, Where you live? And I, I respond with, Well, we live close to downtown. Where? And I start giving landmarks. Um, and after about the second or third landmark, um, I'm still seeing a sort of a blank stare, and I'm doing like major landmarks, not um, where the oak tree used to be or anything like that. I mean, these are like big landmarks. Yeah, we live clo- really between that and that or whatever. And by that fifth one, and I'm still getting blank stares, we, we start to understand maybe something else is going on. And we come to find out that we're talking about two different downtowns. I'm approaching that word downtown from my Hindu-centric <laughs> worldview. I'm talking about downtown Hendersonville. Whereas the person I'm speaking with just assumed I was talking about downtown Asheville. We had one word, downtown, but we were each approaching that word from two different places, two different understandings, and it led to only confusion. The lesson is that when we do that, when we engage with a new topic, a new issue, a new idea, or we're just meeting someone new and we're dealing with key words, it's helpful to understand or to Investigate and make sure that we are uh, operating out of the same understanding of those terms. And if not, it will only lead to confusion. And how much more um, mindful of of that uh, we should be when we come to God's Word. We approach God's Word um, with certain understandings of certain phrases, certain words, and what we need to do is check to see if God had that same understanding in mind. We come with it with our own understanding. Is that God's understanding of that Word? And there are two key words in our passage this morning that we're going to be looking at, work and rest. Rest. And we are approaching both of those with our certain uh, experiences with that, our own stories, our own understandings, and what we need to do. What I'm going to ask us to do is see if our understanding of rest, of our understanding of work, does in fact pair with, with, with what God says in his word about those two words. Make sense? We're going to start with rest. And what I, what I want to do is, 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 is come, with, come at this word Um, with our own understandings first and let's just see how it works and what I want to do is approach that word rest from three different angles asking three different questions about rest beginning with what do we rest from when you think of rest whatever that looks like for you what are you resting from what are you resting in and then what are you resting And I think as we investigate the answers to these, it'll help us get a better understanding of, of, of what this word rest means. So, first of all, first question, what do you, what do we usually rest from? Our work. We rest from our work. And that could be our nine to five jobs, our careers, but it could also be anything. Anything from which you need to rest, this could be raising a family. This could be volunteering in some social organization. This could be going to school. I know school's starting back, so a lot of kids are going back to school and engaging in all kinds of stuff, sports, clubs, all this, and learning and homework and all this. Regardless regardless of, of, of age, uh, gender, class, race, whatever, we're all engaged in doing activities from which we need rest. My sister just had a baby. Baby Cyrus is not only, not only two weeks old, and baby Cyrus is already, already engaging in stuff that he needs to rest from. <laughs> it's exhausting being a two-week-old. Uh, not getting enough rest or as much rest as his parents would probably like, but he still isn't doing stuff that he needs to rest from. So this first question, What are we resting, what are we resting from? We can reasonably answer that question by saying that we are resting from our work. Whatever form that takes. Second question, what do we typically rest in? And this might be a little more difficult to answer. What do you mean, what do I rest in? Think of it this way. How do you justify your rest? How do you justify it? When you stop to rest, how do you justify that, that moment? Uh, probably a lot of different ways to answer that, but let's focus on just two uh, ways we justify our rest. No, first of all, we typically rest in the fact that we're tired. <laughs> we're resting in the fact that we've worked hard. Uh, Physically, emotionally, mentally, we need a break. Uh, But then I think secondly, we also rest in our sense of accomplishment. We're resting in what we've done. Our house, which is close to downtown, um, (laughs) rests on uh, less than a third of an acre. But after I mow my estate... I, I, I pull the lawnmower into the garage and then I just sort of take this long walk around my yard, resting in what I just did. I'm looking at my yard and I'm saying, yeah, I just mowed that. <laughs> and it looks awesome. And I'm going to go sit down now, resting in that. But it could also be organizing a shelf. It could be whatever it is in which we are creating order out of chaos it's satisfying. And this is, uh, of course, pointing to uh, the image of our Creator, right? Order out of chaos. Um, and they're satisf- and it's satisfying, and, and, and again, and this is something that we rest in. All right, so we rest from exerting ourselves. We rest in uh, what we accomplish. But then the last question: what do we rest for? well, it's really the next wave of work, right? We know that Monday's coming. We know that the next week is coming. We know that there are things that we have to do um, in the near future, and I need to rest up before I do that. And again, it's, 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 it's any sort of activity that you can think of that you've got stuff coming, and let me rest up before I engage in that. It's like at the end of Robert Frost's poem, "Stopping by the Woods on Snowy Evening. I have promises to keep. I have stuff I got to do but miles to go before I sleep. Promises to keep, but miles to go before I sleep. And there's this rhythm back and forth between rest and work. We rest so we can work, then we work so we can rest. Whatever work looks like for you, whatever rest looks like for you, to some degree, I would imagine it's following that rhythm. I'd further argue that that rhythm, let's just think about it, this, this is not a recent phenomenon, this is not just an American thing, this is not just a Western thing, but this goes uh, to the core of what it means to be a human. Regardless of when you live, where you live, culture, geography, boundaries, whatever, if you are a human being, you engage in work, and then occasionally you need to rest. So, what I'm doing is painting a very broad picture for you. But let's start to narrow it. What does the Christian faith have to say about this oscillation between work and rest? The fourth commandment, we see this, right? Uh, so let's turn to the passage. And let's do just a little Bible study here. The Ten Commandments appear twice in the Old Testament. Exodus 20, and Deuteronomy 5, and they, they, um, they, are within, they are presented in two different contexts. Exodus 20, second book of the Bible, this is when uh, Moses has, has brought the people of Israel out. This is sort of that picture you've probably seen in a movie or something where Moses is climbing the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he receives the law and he comes down and then begins the, the desert wanderings. All right? So that's the first um, iteration of the Ten Commandments. But then you got Deuteronomy 5. And this is a different uh, context. This is really Moses is about to die. The people are about to cross into the promised land and Canaan and all this. And he's sort of stopping and he's saying, okay, folks, I'm about to to die. I can't go with you. Uh, Joshua's going to take over. Um, But let's just review some stuff first. And so we have then the Ten Commandments. And this, by the way, is way oversimplification. but just two different contexts. Now, Bible trivia. What's different between those two uh, presentations of the Ten Commandments? It's the fourth commandment. The reason for our rest is different. It's the same command, but the reasons are different. So let's now take a look uh, between Exodus twenty and Deuteronomy (laughs) five. So we see at the beginning of this this command: remember the Sabbath day, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. But the reasons are different. Exodus twenty: for in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We got that. Deuteronomy five. Observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Why? You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand, outstretched arm. Therefore, keep this day holy. Is this a contradiction? Is this one of these moments in Scripture where people are like, ah, ha, ha, there are changes, there are things going on in Scripture, therefore you can't trust it? Absolutely not. This is a beautiful picture for us of rest. We need both of these um, presentations of the fourth commandment in order for us to understand the the, the proper uh, biblical understanding of this notion of rest. Deuteronomy 5 is a further expression of what we see in Exodus 20. What do I mean? Let's talk about it. Earlier, when we were answering the questions uh, of, of what we rest from in and for, we were in many ways camping out at Exodus 20. We work, we're tired, we rest. God worked, he wasn't tired, he just spoke creation into existence, so this is a different He just said, creation, and it happened. We, though, work and we need the rest. So when, earlier when we were talking about rest, this is good. We're, we're actually complementing what we're seeing from, from Exodus 20. The reasons that we 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 are we're tired, we rest from. We're also resting in. God is resting in His creation, and we rest in the what we've done in the week. We then rest. Now let's be honest. This afternoon, I'm definitely going to put my feet up, uh, chill in the hammock. I'm going to be resting. But let's now make a turn. You with me? We're not going to we're now, we're not going to turn a little bit because if this is all there is. There's nothing deeper involved in these rhythms between work and rest. If there's no higher, eternal, or transcendent purpose and answer to these questions about why we rest or what we're resting from in and for, our existence will be pretty unfulfilling. It'll be pretty frustrating and, frankly, quite miserable. God, in His mercy, is not going to leave us, though, going back and forth between work and rest without seeing the much deeper implications of our rest and our work. He wants us to see that there is a deeper rest offered that also brings about a deeper understanding of our work. It's not merely toil and then exhaustion and more toil and exhaustion. If that's all there is, that would be rather unfulfilling. There's more to it and God wants us to see it, so let's look. Why do we even need a deeper rest? Let me begin with this question. Why should I even uh, uh, suppose that we're all understanding of why we need a deeper rest? Let's talk about this. Why do we need a spiritual rest? It is because within each one of us, there is a longing. And you may be aware of it, you may not be aware of it, but within each one of us, Across the globe, across the ages, there is a longing for God. There is the echo of a relationship that we were designed for but has been broken because of our sin. And what do we do? Our tendency, and this is especially true for me, our tendency is to use our work. Taking something that's good, work is good, but what do we do? We twist it. We, we, we twist it into trying to make it be that which it was never intended to be. We turn our work into this thing that will provide us with value and purpose and meaning and all this. And again, my gosh, this is me. Take your work and derive meaning out of it. But God is saying, no, 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 no. Your work will be crushed under that weight. It can't do that. It can't fulfill you, that void that you feel. That's me. That's not your work. We have this idea that if I do well in my work, then I have value. And God is saying, no, there's more. Our work in whatever form it takes, again, I don't want to say this word and everyone just automatically thinks working in an office or something like that. It can be anything. Parenting. It can't Do what we desire from it. It can never fulfill us the way we want it to. We spend our lives going from one attempt after another to fill that void that only Christ can fill. I have to credit my wife for this clip that you're about to see. It's from a show on Netflix called Chef's Table. If you know the show, you probably enjoy it. If you don't, you might want to watch it. However, there's language, so don't just gather the family around. And Preacher Man said this show, and then all, you hear all the F-bombs, and <laughs> I just picture all the emails from that. So just, there's a warning. However, my wife saw this show, and she was like, Ben, you got you to gotta check this out. And uh, if you don't know the show, what they do is, it's sort of like a documentary thing, but they go around the world, and they interview um, amazing chefs who have just absolutely, um, just incredible. They make good food and stuff. Um, Well, they interview, and so the guy you're about to see, his name is Dan Barber, he's upstate New York, and um, he's got incredible insight in what we're talking about. So I'm gonna shut up now, let's go ahead and watch this.
1: Ordering VIP ticket, two tomato, two lobster, two goose, two carbonara. Two lamb belly and ending two pig tasting. Yes! Last night, a chef came in. We were quite busy, and I hopped off the line to talk with him for a second. He's like, wow, man, you still cook. The off-the-cuff response is, of course I'm cooking. You know, that's what chefs do. And, then, uh, and the other thing is, like, he had a point to make. Why haven't I set up two kitchens where they truly run on their own? I mean, Michael here, along with Adam and the rest of the team, they're very good extraordinarily talented and driven themselves. so why is it that I haven't figured out a formula where I've extricated myself from the daily rigors of the restaurant? I think there's something there that that's driving me It's not just because I want to drive the team it's also fulfill something in me that I that I need apparently There's one way to look at my life as really exemplary in the sense that we have two restaurants that have been very successful, and there's... And then there's another way to look at it that's quite sad. A lot of this work is the attempt to fill some kind of sadness or, or, or something that I didn't have in my life that I wish I had, filling a void. I don't know that a mother dying when you're when you're that age ends up ever getting filled are we doing a lot of this because we have this void in our life we're trying to make up for you know we build a restaurant there's always this unconscious thought of like who's going to come into the restaurant so is building a restaurant a way to get our mother back to you know to the table so to speak you know uh that could be part of it isn't our life one attempt to fill a void after another (laughs) I don't know if I'm succeeding or not but I'm trying hard who knows where this stuff originates and and where it ends and I don't know there's a lifetime to to work out here (sighs) (laughs) wait
0: that's it right that's the human condition filling a void with work relationships I mean you can expand it out to all kinds of stuff but that's the human condition and I don't want to presume to know where chef barber is spiritually but man he sounds like he's just so close Um, and I wish I took the time and effort that he obviously has to reflect on my work Where am I placing my value? And you can hear in him this restlessness. Loss of a relationship. He mentions the loss of his mother. And that's real. Uh, That void is real. And as he's going to carry it with him the rest of his life. And if you have lost a parent, I, I, I can imagine it's a similar situation. There's that void there. As a Christian pastor, though, I would press into that and say, yes, a void and a deeper void. Just by being a human being, there is a deeper void in your heart that can only be filled by Christ. Will the other broken relationships still cause pain? Yes. Let's not be so naive. But what we're talking about is a deep, is an eternal, sabbath rest so let's talk about this just a little more this is profound our rest and our work is deeper than mere rest and work there's a spiritual element but there is also a caution for us there's a danger in realizing that our work and our rest has a spiritual element to it what's the danger the danger is that we will then use, because our hearts are fickle, our hearts will then use our work and our rest as a means to achieve some sort of spiritual ranking. That we will work really well in order to receive something from God, and then we will rest really well in order to receive something from God. And the gospel is this proclamation that says no. It's all Jesus. It's not you. It's all Him. Let me give you an example of this uh, from Scripture, Matthew 12. Jesus and His disciples are walking through a field on the Sabbath. Everyone's supposed to be resting on the Sabbath. But His disciples are hungry, and what do they begin to do? Maybe you don't know this story. They begin to pluck the heads of grain and eat it. Some priests saw the disciples doing this, and they get angry. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is the Sabbath. You can't work. You can't pluck the heads of grain and eat it. That's work. You're not allowed to do it. And Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here, turns to them and says, guys, you have no idea what's going on here. You don't know who I am. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's keep going with this thought, though. It's tempting for us in a similar way with the Pharisees from this example I was just giving. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's tempting for us in a similar way to only apply the Exodus 20 version of rest to our lives without also taking into account the Deuteronomy 5 reading it has to be both if we live in one without the other we're going to be off balance that's why we need both of these iterations these presentations of the fourth commandment we rest because we worked hard and we need rest my goodness you need rest physical rest turn off the phone and rest. But we also need rest because of our rescue. We also rest because of our rescue. This is that deeper spiritual rest. Let's look again at our passage. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, an amazingly important word, Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, were we slaves in Egypt? Have we been a literal slave in Egypt? No. But we have been slaves. In what sense? Slaves to sin. Paul talks about this a ton in Romans 6. Slaves to sin. And Jesus has rescued us, this greater exodus. He has rescued us from our sin, and we are now resting in Christ, our Redeemer. Again, this whole notion of what are we resting from, what are we resting in? We're resting in Him. What are we resting for? We'll get to there in just a moment. But far be it from us to think for a second that our work will fill the void that we have in our hearts uh, by doing our, our work really, really well. It is only Jesus, and it is only His work, His life, death, resurrection, ascension. It's His work that opens the way back to the Father, that restores that broken relationship with our Creator. It's His work, to borrow this phrase from Chef Barber, it's His work that brings us back to the table. So often we we think, okay, if I work really hard I can bring God back to the table. It's still up to me. And the gospel says, no, no, no. It's his work that draws you back to the table. That relationship is then restored, and then it brings, as the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews, uh, says in uh, chapter 4, it brings a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now we're entering into that Deuteronomy 5 understanding of Sabbath rest. It's continual. Jesus calls to us, Come to me, like we read in the call to worship. Come to me, all you who are weary, who are carrying heavy loads, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Again, it's both. We need a physical rest, we also need a deeper spiritual rest. Now, to land this plane, let me ask a question that my wife likes to ask. Um, when we talk about all this stuff. It's a great turn of phrase. How does this change my tomorrow? Cool thoughts, bro. How does this change my tomorrow? It's a good question to ask. How does it change our tomorrow? Well, tomorrow's Labor Day. <laughs> Since the 1890s, the United States has set aside one day that we remember all that has been won and our labor movements, ending child labor, creating safer working environments, fair wages, and all kinds of stuff. It's a day that we remember. I mean, there's an echo of the Sabbath right there. It's a day that we refrain from work so that we remember, or go to the lake and cook out, and whatever. But the question is then, okay, but then what about Tuesday? And so this is what I want to leave with you all. As a family, as we've heard this said, as a family, let us commit that on Tuesday morning when we get up and we begin our daily activities whatever they are let's commit that on Tuesday morning we will remember the deep eternal yet very present spiritual Sabbath rest that's being offered to us in Christ and let's let that rest inform our work that your work doesn't define you Christ defines you Your work doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Your work doesn't add a a moment or anything to your life. That It is all Christ. Now here's the point to this. By lunch you'll forget. By lunch you'll forget. Matter of fact, maybe by mid-morning you'll forget. And you'll fall back in, like Ken was saying, you'll just fall back in to thinking that, okay, it's all up to me. And I'm, I am uh, defined by what I do. That's when the Spirit is there to prick your heart and say, no, 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 no. Stop it. That's not you. Right? You are an adopted child of God. That's your identity. You have eternal riches awaiting you in glory. That's who you are. But then right now you got the Spirit of God living within you. That's being offered right now do you think that will change the way you see your work? (laughs) yeah therefore what are we resting for? to love to serve to give away handing it over whatever that looks like let the spirit direct you in that but that's what we then rest for it's outward it's not inward so you guys want to do that? Tuesday we want to commit to this maybe pray for each other Tuesday, let's do this. And, and keep in mind also that I'm not like, all right, now let's just do this for the rest of your lives. Baby steps. Let's start with Tuesday. And let's see how it goes. And then if Tuesday goes well, let's go to Wednesday. And then Wednesday to Thursday. And then, yeah, maybe we can carry this on. Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Father, you know exactly what we're carrying. You know how long we've been carrying it yet your call remains the same to come to you to lay it down so that we may receive rest for our souls I pray for this body your people your church I pray that yes we enjoy a time of rest tomorrow but that on Tuesday morning we continue in that Sabbath rest As we work. Working to whatever you've called us to. Whatever situations. May we step into that. Resting. And then may we, at the end of the week, rest on a Sabbath, physical rest. Because we need it. Our bodies need it. You're commanding us to rest. May we take that step in faith to rest. And pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen.